right, we're back. The second, the second hour of this week's episode of Two Beers, Please. Brought to you by Jim Carrey's The Grinch. Yannick, we're going to talk about... <laughs> that movie really is a freaking classic. It's a freaking classic. My girlfriend just thinks it's okay, and it's one of the worst qualities about her, honestly. <laughs> I love your girlfriend, but what the hell? Yeah, like, I don't... She's like, everybody likes it, I just don't. And I'm like, well... You know, I hate to say everybody is right, but everybody is right. And you're the wrong one. Sorry. I remember when it came out. What year did that come out? Because we were... 2000. We were youngsters. Yeah. I, I, this 2000 seems... Y'all were nice. Well done, y'all. 2000. Yes. So, yeah. I remember as a kid, like, loving it for, you know, the obvious reasons. And then, like... <laughs> Getting like as I was older, I was like, ah, I don't really like it anymore. And then like the last few years, like whenever it's on, I've watched it. I'm like, this is hysterical. This is like so it's funny. so absurd. Yeah. And you know, Jim Carrey is like just heavyweight, heavyweighting it like he does. Yeah, you know why it's funny? And it's something we don't see a lot because there there's so much money that goes into productions that this isn't allowed as much anymore. And it happens on Broadway, and I'm gonna bring this up. I saw Plaza Suite on Broadway with Matthew Broderick, and it was so fun to watch. And granted, it's a Neil Simon play, so like how great is it gonna be? It's a Neil Simon play. They're 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 good. They're all good, and that's what they are, and it's a play. But Matthew Broderick went up there and he has to play three characters in this show. And he not for one second committed to being a character, to like living in the moment. He was like, I'm Matthew Broderick and I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. But like, I'm going to because I'm a comic genius. So like he was up there and he would just be going like, "Eh, eh, 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 eh." I'm like, what are you doing? But it was so funny because it's like that's so entertaining and it's not boring and it's done in the right spirit. None of it was like felt like masturbatory or anything also, like that. You can also do it when you're Matthew Broderick. Yeah. And you can do it when you're Matthew Broderick. Fair enough. But like it's just but that's why, because you're a Jim Carrey or Matthew Broderick, you get are allowed to like get away with some of this stuff. But I do wish that more people did that because it was just more interesting for me than some of the other stuff. This is, we had no idea that this was going to be the start of this second hour. Yannick Raymond said something about the the Grinch right before we started recording. And for some reason, I decided to say it was sponsored by that. And now we, that's why podcasts are fun, guys. Yeah, you just, you get on, get on fun tracks and. uh, I haven't been to a show in forever. And I, I really, I really would love to just go spend some effing coin and go watch. Ruth Naga and Daniel Craig and Macbeth. Uh, then I also had McAvoy's doing Cyrano. That's what I. Oh, that's what I want. And I do. I love McAvoy. And I love Cyrano de Bergerac. Like. Ah. I'm going to see both of those shows. I'm not going to have any money, but I'm going to see both of those shows. I'll come with you. Yeah, please do. Let me know when you're in town and that's what you're doing. You don't get a break. You're going to see Cyrano. Love it. I'm good with that. <laughs> I need to like there's so many times like in sometimes there's too much going on in this city where like you can't keep track of it all. Like yeah. I kind of stumbled onto the that certain I knew that I knew like the Macbeth thing was going on, but like I literally just stumbled onto that. I, I saw stuff about the McAvoy show in London, but then like this last week I just saw a random thing. I think on Instagram. So you know what? 
Let's go, Instagram. Points it's all to social circle. media. Let's talk about sports. We've hit Broadway. We've hit social media a lot. This is big social. It's our big social media episode. Oh God! This is our crisis talks episode. We get we're hitting the real news of the day. Yannick, in Liverpool, which did defeat Manchester City in the FA Cup semifinal, as you predicted, if they pull off the quadruple, even though the League Cup is, but whatever, they pull off the quadruple, most impressive season ever. Let me ask you something. What's the most competitive league in of the top five? I would I would say Premier League. Okay, and have you ever heard of a team in the Premier League having to beat their closest rival to the top three different times to win three different titles? No, and and I guess so. That's kind of my question. Do you think that helps them or or hurts them? I think it helps because I. Do you? Because I because I was kind of wondering. It was like, would it be more beneficial if like City was really great, but then like they did beat a really strong Bayern team and Real team? But now, now the way you're putting it, I think that, you, that that's probably the better point of like, yeah, they the the second best team, the team that most of us kind of thought were the best team was who they were competing with in every single competition. Very, yeah, very very good point. And like I I think of it as right. <laughs> You want to say impressive season ever. So let's say in 10 years, we look back at this season. We remember what this Man City team was like, the dominance that they had. And you're saying there was a team that beat that team for three different titles. Come on. That's that's the only closest thing I could think of. And maybe this is me. It it is me being a Homer fan is when Bayern did it twice over Dortmund. And that's not even comparable because the Bundesliga is not the Premier League. It just isn't. So and that was even so impressive because they beat them for the cup and for the title and for the league. And people were like, oh, wow, three different times with these great teams. But this is ridiculous. I mean, you have one of the all time great coaches, one of the all time great teams, and you have a guy knocking them out of three straight. And even if Real Madrid beats Man City, right, then you have them beating Real Madrid, which is like still right, which is still great. So yeah. it's not going to take anything away from it. Right. So I think, it's uh, gonna you be- know, when they won the Champions League, if they would have beaten it, honestly, like, that's a it's a win win situation. You either beat Manchester City, the team that as as you've already put out everything, uh, you've done their CV for them, or you beat the most successful Champions League team of all time. It's the <laughs> spoiled, yeah. spoiled right there. Well, and I'm going to say something here, and maybe I'll be wrong, but only only ten years time will tell. So I'll have some time to like recoup my recoup my losses. Uh, but I think keep the record, somebody. If Liverpool. If Liverpool wins this quadruple, I think in 10 years, we remember this Liverpool team more than we remember the Man City team. I think yeah. that that's what it is because I they think, want. I think you're right. Because they've won basically, they, they've won kind of even if Man City was to was to like knock out a couple, then you can kind of remember in the same vein. But I think we remember Salah, Sané, um, Van Dijk, Firmino, Klopp over. I mean, we'll remember how good Guardiola and De Bruyne were, but like they just always had this thing going on. Unless unless City goes on like, I think a specific like Champions League sort of tear. I agree because two, like you'd think about, you would think about all of, of plot Van Dyke, solid, all of what they did that first Champions League they won, which had kind of been, you know, a, a, a somewhat long drought for, for Liverpool in the sense of European success and then winning their technically first premier league title and just first league title in, in decades. 
So like the history of what they've done for Liverpool is there where then, yeah, if you would add this accomplishment, I think you, I, I, I agree with like, it would take a lot for city to like go on and, and do consecutively for it to, to, for us to remember them more. I agree. Yeah. And it, and it's, and it sucks for man city because if we're being honest, man city probably has been the more dominant team between the two of them, but we're not going to remember that. You don't remember who's dominant. You remember who wins. Sorry. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, All right, Jan, speaking of a man who has had lots of success in the Champions League, lots of success in lots of leagues, Carlo Ancelotti, do you think he is an underrated manager? I thought this question was so funny because if he, you know, he's the coach of Real Madrid for a reason, it's because he's great, but I think he's aptly rated. You know, I think he is a stabilizer. He's not an energizer. He comes in and he gives team stability that they need. Real Madrid needed stabilization and that's why you're seeing so much success, right? But when he went to Bayern, Bayern didn't need stability. They needed an energizer and that's why it didn't work there. You know what I mean? Like he's good at taking the sum of your parts and making them as strong as they can be but he's not necessarily that person that will like make you better than what you are that's why I think you're seeing Benzema play so well he's always been good but he's giving the opportunity to be what he is which is the star same with Vinicius same with all of those midfield players uh, for Real Madrid so but I don't think I don't think that now we should see him as any better than he he's 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 still top 10 coach right now in my head so I think that he's absolutely rated i don't think he's up there with guardiola or klopp so um yeah i think that he's in a great position for the kind of coach that he is um he's kind of the opposite of van hall right van hall not a stabilizer don't bring him into a team that needs stability but if you need a team if you need a guy to switch around a team you know to revitalize i think he is a good guy that he did that at Bayern the first year and they got really good he's the reason thomas muller came into the fold actually and it worked really well but then when they needed the stability was great yeah but then when the stability was needed yeah you know not 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 as much as strong suit but uh but yeah i think he's aptly rated i think i think apt is the word i would use see i think i don't think it's like vastly underrated but i do i i think he is underrated and and i get it like obviously he's not like he's been the manager of, of bad clubs but someone has to manage the top clubs and he's a guy that's gotten it done like everywhere that he's gone He's about to be the first manager to win, you know, all five of the, the leagues, um, top leagues, the French, German, Spanish, English, and Italian leagues, which, I, like, I, again, I know he's managing PSG by, like, that's what he should be doing, but it, he's still getting it done. And I think there's something to be said for being the first person to go through a lot of leagues and three-time Champions League winner. I, like, I, I agree with you. He's like, if you're going to ask me, do I want Carlo Ancelotti or – several other coaches like I, i'm not picking him in, in the top i don't even know if i'd say top five but i do think he's a guy who like like sometimes we rag on pep for not doing what he should be doing at, at top clubs and it seems like for the most part carlo has been able to do that but like you look at everton's obviously in dire situations but like i think that's the perfect example of a guy like he was not going to come into everton and and make them uh Spark, spark the uh, the plug, right? I, yeah, I do think that maybe he doesn't get enough credit for what he's already done. I agree with that. I think you know, you, there's not enough respect put on his name. Where you see some other coaches, where it's like, oh, he won the Champions League eight years ago, and they still are loved on, and it's like, okay, well then, you yeah. know, what about this other guy who, who's been doing it consistently for decades? 
you know, pretty, he's, he's got the, he's got the consistency for it. He's not, I mean, yeah, like certainly not like a, a great tactician, but, uh, he, he does something all right. And I, I sometimes I'm just like, why doesn't he like, sometimes accolades are all you need to get a little praise. And, and he certainly got those. Speaking of Everton, Jan, uh, what's the worry for, if you're an Everton fan, what's your worry percentage that you're about to get relegated? I think, I think, you need they, a, I think they have like six matches left. Yeah, they have six games left. <clears throat> I think Everton fans, if you're listening to me, don't worry about worry percentage. Worry about acceptance percentage. Accept that you're relegated. Accept that it's already... I like that. Accept that it's already done because, yeah, you might only be two points behind Burnley, which is, I think, the only team that's really going to have a possibility of dropping out. Um, but your next two matches are against Chelsea and Leicester. So unless you... Unless you really show me something, and granted, they they you know they got a win against y'all, but y'all are also a mess. So I also won't give yeah. them anything for that. <laughs> I think I honestly think Everton beating Manchester United has far more to do with Manchester United being a shit show than Everton finding any sort of success. Right, and that game was close too. So it's not like they yeah. went out and like dominated y'all either. So I I think that y'all, Everton. I don't think everybody say y'all so much. I don't know. It's just come, Kentucky Yonick uh, coming for this episode. This is Kentucky Yonick coming to talk about Everton. Um, I don't know what that was. No, but I I also think it has to do with just just matchups. You know, when they're so close, <laughs> you look at matchups. Um, Burnley has to play Arsenal, Leicester, and Chelsea. And I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Everton has to play Arsenal, Leicester, and Chelsea at, at three of those last six games. And Burnley gets to play Aston Villa twice, Newcastle, and Tottenham. You know, and Tottenham, you know, maybe they're in the fight for something. But that's really, they could they could definitely get points from most of those games. Um, and I just don't see anything from Everton that's like, oh, they'll, they'll get it at the end here. You know, it, it's just time, you know, even, <laughs> you know, even... <laughs> Even the even the good ones, even the even the classic coaches can't make it happen sometimes. And we see that happen. And, you know, it was a good it was a good thing to kind of um, hope for a little bit. But even Ted Lasso got relegated, you know, and, and it's not it's not yeah. even Ted Lasso had to accept it at the end of the day. It's not, the, not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world, you know, and um, and I think. Uh, you know, it's been a trend. Everton has been trending downwards for a couple seasons now, so it's not out of the blue. You know, it's just like not out of. So it just it speaks to more structural things that are wrong with that team. So if I'm an Everton fan, I'm not saying, oh, I hope we don't get relegated. I'm like, oh, you know, I I hope we don't not guess, make guess the Premier League next the year. Yeah, yeah, I hope we make it through next year, and I think they can. You know, I just think they need to switch some things around, and and it'll be fine. But it's over. And you, that's that. Well, you can start. Yeah, I guess you can start accepting too. And you're like, all right, uh, what players are we going to be able to maybe keep? Even with like players that they would lose, you would think with that roster, like obviously you would think that with that roster, they would stay up in the Premier League. But staying up in the Premier League and being able to get yourself promoted are two different animals. Like, yeah. Fulham has dominated the championship this year. I don't think any of us are expecting them to do or look quite the same over 38 matches in, in the premier league. But yeah, I, I agree. I think if you're an Everton fan, you, I gave them 80%. I was being, I think pretty, pretty courteous. Cause you're right. Like just like the way that the way the first off the way, like Everton and Burnley, which it kind of feels like that's the race are playing like Burnley's playing really good soccer right now. Uh, 
They've gotten seven, seven points out of their last three. Uh, and, and you're right. Like their schedule's much more favorable than, uh, than Everton's and Everton looks horrible. So I, I would not, I would not be too confident to be playing in the premier league next year. Everton. I'm, I'm very, very sorry. Jan, give me the biggest loss for a team over the last week or even since our last episode. Yeah. I mean, these next two questions, I want—I didn't know which which one to put this in, but I put it here. Um, I know that they probably weren't going to catch Bayern and win the league. I know that, but to lose to Bayern and for that to be the championship victory—that sucks. That really, <laughs> that sucks. I didn't even realize it. I thought we had one more game before it was decided. To lose, to not even, all you had to do was draw, so it didn't happen against you. You know what I mean? But to lose, and lose the way they did, which was really defensively poor. Poor, poor, poor. Um, against the Bayern team. Can't, can't, say, can't say that's too shocking from Dortmund. Not not too shocking, but you would hope that there's <laughs> one game that you can pull it together. It's against the Bayern team that honestly has also been very, very poor this season up to their standards. You know, and they made Bayern look like a Bayern that could get to the semifinals of the Champions League, which they aren't. And they didn't. So, you know, to lose it, you know, in to go to Munich and lose not only the game and the Klassiker, but also the Bundesliga title for a 10th straight year. Ugh, that that had to be rough. I, I you know. I feel bad for them for about one second. I think I think they should have been under biggest win. No, I I have a different one because that's more exciting for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, maybe that's why it's not the, what I think is biggest win or biggest loss. It's not like Dortmund had to think they were going to win. Plus, at least it was on your guys' uh, home home uh, field as opposed to uh, at home their own place. That, that helps the embarrassment a little bit. Uh, I went with, not that they had much of a chance to to win the Scudetto, but Napoli was still kind of in the race. Looked like they were at least going to somewhat keep themselves in that race up 2-0 with about 10 minutes left to play until Emily scored three goals in the final 10 minutes. Shocked Napoli 3-2, officially ended any chance that they had of winning the trophy. And now, you know, gives Ventures a good chance of maybe even hopping them and getting uh, into third and making their... I believe in Italy, if you're in third, you just go straight to, to the group stage uh, in the Champions League. So make their journey there a little bit easier. But yeah, just, I mean, anytime you're up 2-0 with that amount of time against a team that you are far more talented in uh, and in the time where you are still you know, playing for stuff, pretty bad loss for, for the boys from Naples. Yeah, and and this is the reason why we didn't mention them as possible Scudetto winners. Like we mentioned that they were in the race, but none of us were like, you know, who's gonna upset is not no, because we knew right. what the Napoli team was. They're good, but they have a lot of inconsistencies. And and even uh, when, even when Juve was like ten points behind Napoli, we we're like, uh, I think the Ventures more than Napoli, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I trust. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like us saying, you know. I know the Nets are the seventh seed, but I think those Bulls, I think those Bulls are going to beat them. Um, it was a bad comparison <laughs> because the Nets got swept, but you know what I mean. No, uh, I got, no but I liked it. No, from the mindset, from, you know, the perspective, it's more, you know, perspective. 
Yeah, but yeah, I agree. That's a big loss. I also thought the um, I also thought the Rio Vallecano loss for Barcelona against Barcelona was pretty upsetting too. Um, yeah. That's one to mention. Not that they had a chance, I think, at the title, but you know, just because they had such a good run and now it's kind of falling apart, and it was against Rio Vallecano. Yeah, it's a little like bit. so deflatingly. I was one of the questions I was going to ask, and actually, just since we've touched on Barcelona, and I, we can just hit with them. I was going to pick a few teams and have you give like grades for their seasons or managers, uh, but just for like, what, what grade would you give Barcelona? Because like, I feel like you started the season, it was like this is going to be like a C minus at best, and then at the beginning of Chavi's takeover, it's like shit, this could be like I get a B plus, A minus, and now with like pretty disappointing way of getting going out in the Europa League like you said I mean some just like the, the performances in La Liga have, have kind, of, kind of kind of gone stale what, where would you grade FC Barcelona for their 2021-22 their season I give them a B I still think that the place that they started at this season you're at, at least the C minus is being fair I was like I hope they don't I hope they don't get relegated. Truthfully, I know that they weren't going to, but that's <laughs> how they were. They were playing, you know. Right. And when you have a oh, team in, in crisis like that, both like financially and like manager wise and like player wise, it just was like, man, everything is going against them. Um, so I just and you kind of wonder too when a team that's not used to being at that position, you're like, how are you going to handle? Like I think sort of with her, her Manchester United is they. We're not used to some of these struggles. And it was kind of like, shit, is how are Barcelona going to deal with it? And Yeah. They've done well. No, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. They've done well. So I give it a B, though, So because I think that it, it's more positive than negatives. Sure, the exits in the Europa League was disappointing. But, you know, I think it's kind of similar to a Celtics net situation where you have a team that's still finding itself, despite being more talented, over a Frankfurt team that is very solid. Like, no matter when you play them or how you play them, they are a solid, strong defensive team. Actually, that is a great analogy. Good job, Yannick. That is fantastic. Very happy for myself there. Nailed that on the head. I made that on the freaking head. I didn't even realize it until halfway through. <laughs> no, I like I like that. No, I think I think B I think B is very fair for especially how it happened. It was yeah, C minus at best. It was because it was looking probably more like an F. Yeah. Uh, and they at least I think now if you're a Barcelona fan, you're you're excited for the future and uh they have some some sort of path forward. All right, biggest win. Over the past week or so, I'll go first, John. I'm going to go with the Gunners, the boys from London, with two big wins. They took care of United 3-1, which they should have. Um, I mean, should have been closer, but, of course, Bruno Fernandes isn't going to make a penalty. Why would that happen? Uh, regardless, nice win, Arsenal. And they also go, went to Stanford Bridge the match before that and dominated Chelsea 4-2. This was after Arsenal had, had lost three in a row, and it kind of looked like there was, that was part of the reason Manchester United was in the Champions League race again because Arsenal was playing like shit. Tottenham was playing like shit. Now Arsenal has, has at least got themselves a couple of nice results in a row and they sit in fourth. They do have a matchup with Tottenham, so they, they control their destiny. Uh, they can even just win out and tie that or, you know, win out and tie that. They're, they're through or, you know, win that game. They'd really get some some uh, distance between them and Spurs. Uh, but yeah, I, I had Arsenal's two wins over the last kind of week. Who do you, who do you have for biggest win? 
Yeah, I love that. I think Arsenal, it is it is definitely something to be commended and something no one expected. I mean, people were shitting on Arteta so much at the beginning of the season, and now, you know, I think coach of the year uh, uh, kind of candidate. I, you know, I was I was making fun of my Arsenal fan friends pretty pretty big at the start of the season, and then you know pretty quickly it's been turned around. Where I'm like, you guys at least have something to hold on yeah. to. Like I. It's not you know perfect situation in Arsenal right now, but I think it's uh, better than Manchester. Yeah, gotta say that. Um, mine is also a Premier League victory, and I and it and it seems like maybe not the most obvious one, but I think Liverpool's win over Everton was my biggest win because Everton needed a point, and it started cagey. They didn't score until the second half, and I think there was a point during that game where you're like, "Man, are Everton gonna steal a huge like zero zero draw from this? You know, are they gonna really do a huge point for them and decide this title?" race you know just by really trying to survive and Liverpool just kept pushing and they found a way and and this kind of marks for me the way that championship teams do it they found a way through some unlikely sources through Robertson through Divock Origi you know not through their top star players so you know it was a big win the role players showed up when they needed to not that the, you know Robertson's not a role player but in terms of the scoring situation the role players right. showed up when they needed to um and they stay in the race and stay in that race for the quadruple. So uh, a big win for them in what could have been kind of an unlikely shock that I think would have decided the race had it not gone a win, a victory's way. I think you're right. Even just like the, the little amount of point gap that that would have given city, I think would have just given them enough breathing room to survive with the amount of matches that, that are left. Like I Liverpool, um, I mean, Obviously, neither of them can afford to drop a point, but yeah. I think there's more. There's a to me, there's more likelihood of like City dropping a point, Liverpool passing them, and City still kind of coming back. Like if if Liverpool drops a point before City does, I, I think we can say it's it's done with. Um, but yeah, it was it was a big win, and, and anytime, regardless of, of how Everton's playing as well, anytime you got a rivalry match like that, and that one's as big as any of them. You know the other team's going to show up. All right, Jan, let's move our way to the NFL draft. As I said, begins in two days. Uh, this Crazy. Thursday on, on the 28th. <laughs> I just figured it was the 26th. I just figured that out. It's genius. I really, yeah, I know. I Even when I was looking at it, I was like, I, sorry, I was like, I know it's close, but like, I thought it was, like, I, I thought it was at least like another week, but I suppose it is the end of April. I don't, what's time anymore, man? Wow. <laughs> yeah, let's get right back to sports. Um, so, NFL draft, Jan. Aiden Hutchinson has kind of been the favorite for the most part, but now Trayvon Walker, the defensive end from Georgia, has been declared the uh, betting odds-on favorite to go number one of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who do you like more between the two players? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I know Trayvon Walker is like this – freak of nature that people are like really excited about but like Aiden's resume is just it, you can't really compare it to Trayvon Walker's Trayvon Walker was like the fifth best defensive player on his team you know like maybe Trayvon ends up better than Aiden in the long run but Aiden is the more guaranteed first day starter and he could be like a Max Crosby type talent on that defensive side and for me that's what you want from your first pick. Like if you had the 10th pick or like the fifth pick, 
if you have the second pick, go for Trayvon Walker. But the first pick should be a guarantee. And Trayvon Walker, for me, you know, it, it, it feels more like you're hoping everything pans out so that he is the better pick. And I, I just think it's Aiden Hutchinson. I still think that he's he should be the number one pick. I know that it probably won't happen, but, you know, that's where I stand. Yeah, see, I mean, I... I... I get what you mean. We're a guarantee, but I think I think with a draft, you also got to, depending on what the ceiling could be, sometimes that's what you have to go to go with. I mean, like the first overall pick, you you want a generational type player. Certainly, there are, are concerns with with Trayvon Walker because it is a lot of like, oh, what this guy could be. But I think the potential that he brings, especially to the modern NFL, where you're talking about a guy that's like that athletic and that that mobile and that versatile. Like I, I think he's a guy. Like Aiden Hutchinson, I agree. I think he's going to be a really good defensive end at, at the next level, but he's going to be kind of a traditional defensive end where, where I think Trayvon Walker is going to be, he's bigger, like he's different than Micah Parsons, but, but you know, they're going to throw him around the defense. Probably more of a comparison would be like an Aaron Donald, where I think they'll throw him around the defensive line wherever. And, and you're right. Things have to pan out to, like as they need to pan out, you know, perfectly for him. But I, but I think the, the upside that's there, I would, I would go with Walker. Um, we talked about the receivers earlier, and there's there's a lot of good ones. Who's your favorite from from this class? I like. I feel it. like there's like, no wrong answer with this. No, one. there isn't, and I, I'll respect whatever you say <clears throat> as long as it's like in that top seven. I love Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Uh, I think I was trying to think. Know, I was trying to think if there's an Iowa receiver that I could say. Is there? I don't think so. No. No. Oh no. Nope. Um, you know, I I, I love. Drake and, and Jameson for sure. But I think I'm going with Wilson, you know, because he has such high production out of the slot and on the outside. So he can really fit into whatever scheme you need. And he's got like really unteachable separation skills. Like for a college player, that's really hard to teach someone. So no matter where you put him, he's going to be able to get that separation. And we know that like separation is everything in the NFL, especially with these elite uh, secondary players. Um, becoming more and more athletic. I think Drake and Jamison are both really great, um, but I think Garrett's ability to like produce, you know, in the end zone, in the slot, on the outside. I, I think where you know, I think Jamison Williams is more of a deep threat. Lund is more of a contested ball machine. Um, so that's why I would go. I give slight edge to Garrett Wilson. It's real slight, but I, I just think he can fit in no matter who, which team you, which team you need him to be there. Yeah, I mean, I'm. It's. With all these guys, there really is kind of like there's no wrong answer. I love Garrett Wilson. Like you said, London is six five and just like an absolute freak. And Jameson Williams can, can stretch the field, and it's gonna he's like probably gonna fall to like where he shouldn't just because of that injury and because he's gonna take a little bit of time. Just because those three get most of the love, I went with the the other Ohio State guy. I went with Chris Olave just because I yeah. love watching him at Ohio State. And I think something that like part of the reason I picked him was he is such a great route runner, such a smart receiver. And as we saw this year with a guy like Cooper cup, like maybe, maybe not the most athletic guy, but a guy who just can play the position so well, uh, he can really impact the game as much as, as somebody who's, who's an athletic freak. But like those, those four, like I said, I'd like the Packers to get one of those four. Cause those four to me feel like there's no way that, that all of them don't become at least like productive receivers. Like they might not all be all pro, you know, all that stuff, but like 
I, I think they're going to be strong receivers in the NFL. I just don't see any way that those four don't. Yeah, it's kind of like where Trayvon Walker, you're hoping everything goes right. For any of those receivers to not be productive, it, a lot would have to go wrong. Like, it would have to be, like, yeah. injuries or, like, off-the-field stuff or, like, attitude problems. Like, And I don't see any of these guys having that. So I, I think that's a great pick. I think Chris Olave, not just this season, but last season, showed, you know, just what he's capable of. And, um, yeah, I think any of these receivers you're happy to take. Uh, as a team that needs receivers, and boy, are there a lot of them in this draft. So, we'll, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they all get picked so early. Dude, I like, I hate it too because, like, in all the mock drafts that, like, I see, like, there's so many times where a team will trade up for a receiver, and then it's never the Packers in the mock draft. Not that that means anything, but you know, I'd like to just see it once or twice. And mostly, it also just like, I don't like it because it was like, fuck, like, everyone needs a receiver. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. I same thing with the Patriots. They don't trade up for for nobody. So I, it's not going to happen. They trade down, if anything. So we got uh, two first round picks that like I'm like, go. But then I'm also like, you know, how can we get Debo Samuel? I, I, I really that? like I really I, I'd really like that. I think Debo Samuel would be great. I also wouldn't mind making a trade for Debo. We we wouldn't because we wouldn't pay someone like that. We're not, but, uh, we're not going to. Yeah. yeah, like I don't even want to get my hopes up. No, I'm not because I just like. I think in my we'll talk about it later. It's gonna be it's uh, gonna be yeah. like the Jets. Yeah, it's gonna be the Jets or like the Lions or like or like. Uh, trying to think of another team, the Bears. Ooh, the Bears. That'd be good. Bears with Justin Fields and Debo Samuel. That'd be a good. I would hate that for you, but that would be a good combination. Although I'm like kind of happy that Debo Samuel, because I assume wherever he goes, he's going to be like, I just want to be receiver. Like, I don't want to do all that other shit, really. And so, like, I'm happy with that because I'm good. Limit how dangerous you are. I yeah. get like, I get why he wants to do. I'm not like critiquing that, but it does make him less dangerous. So i even yeah. but I, uh, on the same point, I would love to have him as a receiver in Green Bay. There's, yeah, because there's plenty of ways to still get that dude in space and not use him as a like running like running back, running back. Uh, Jan, favorite quarterback? I'll go first on this one. Uh, it's just got to be the upside of Malik Willis, right? Like he just just what he brings to the position. We've seen how those dynamic sort of players like him can can just make that position even more dangerous. Uh, I do also. I'm I'm a big Matt Corral guy. I think. I don't, I don't really see him being like a superstar, but I think in the right spot, like I could see him being a, a strong starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm going favorite quarterback, it has to be Malik Willis. Yeah. For me, like you could go Kenny Pickett, but you're basically hope you're basically assuming Malik Willis is going to, you know, fall out from under himself. So I, I feel like you have to assume the opposite actually that Malik Willis probably goes to closer to his ceiling than to his floor. Um, this year's draft class is just such a hodgepodge of like underwhelming, near finished products. You so know, so many like everyone is just like so many question marks. Well, and but also like I th- I feel people are saying that like who knows what's going to happen, but I feel like Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, even if everything pans out correctly, I think their ceilings are still pretty low. I'm not seeing any of these guys like where like Malik Willis, if 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 developed well, he could be like a a second rate Kyler Murray, which I know that that's saying second rate, but like he's not going to be Kyler Murray, but he could be like a Kyler Murray like player. 
Yeah. I think like the point, I think the point more was like, like, cause I mean, like, I think there's questions about a lot of you guys. I agree. We're like, this, uh, oh, cause all these guys are like, I'm not so really sold on any of them. But when you look at like what they can bring to the position, you have to get more excited about Malik. Like, cause even like, like Kenny Pickett at his best, Matt Crow at his best, like say all these guys go to their best or like even, and even exceed like what, we think they could do like they're all playing at the same level of really great play. What Malik Willis can like do as an athlete and just like as a player makes him the better, like he's going to be a better put like if Lamar Jackson's playing just as well as Derek Carr, what Lamar Jackson can do makes him a more dangerous and better player. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that that's what you have to take into account. And also uh, I don't think it's being talked enough, but like when you have a raw talent like that, you really should look at like the character and decision making of a player like that. And Malik Willis is exactly what you want. He's he's great character, great decision making. So I think he'll lend himself to being developed, you know, rather than, you know, maybe a Baker Mayfield who's harder to coach. You know what I mean? Like, I just think he's got more of the character to like be Very developed true. yeah into the nfl quarterback or like a johnny manziel i i should i shouldn't shit on baker as much as i'm going to shit on johnny manziel but like you know that's yeah. the kind of situation i think they, uh, I think they both open themselves up to uh yeah to no, fair. Criticism. fair 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 um but yeah dynamic athlete great arm strength really good on the scramble uh accuracy too like he really does have everything so you know it, it's raw that's the only thing it's it's a raw talent and um we'll see who gets them and if they ruin him um but you know i think the teams that would ruin him already have quarterbacks that they're currently ruining so i think <laughs> like the jets are already ruining zach wilson don't be don't be so uh optimistic <laughs> to the nfl's ability that's to ruin fair. quarterbacks that's fair yeah god poor guys all right on the pat and the Packers both need some stuff this draft. Give me your uh, three things, your wish list for the right. New England Patriots this draft season. Yeah, you know, I, of course, want to put a receiver on this wish list, but I'm not going to because that's just going to open me up to not getting receiver for this draft. So I want that to be a surprise. You know, it's like you wouldn't – don't put a pony on your wish list for Christmas. You won't get it. But maybe, you know, just maybe – Maybe maybe Santa's good to you and gets you a pony. I don't know. Um, oh, you God. Know, put, like, you don't put it on the wish list, but like Santa knows you want a fucking yeah, pony. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you guys know what I want, but you're not going to get it from me. So I'm going to give you three things that you can get me, okay? And the first thing, interior offensive lineman, uh, Shaq Mason, Ted Karras, both left in the offseason. We need to protect our most valuable asset, which is Mr. Mac and Cheese. So, you know, maybe we get Boston College's Zion Johnson. Uh you know, yeah, something there, but but really just strengthening the offensive line, not only for the quarterback, but also for the running game. I think it's a big need. J.C. Jackson obviously left with that big contract to the Chargers, uh, so we're going to need more secondary help, particularly on the outside. Uh, so I'm looking at Kier out. I don't know how to say that last name, but the Florida the Florida cornerback, and I'm looking at McCreary out of Auburn as two guys that we could get. Uh, and then you know we're playing Josh Allen twice uh twice a year so we need to get to josh allen um so we need some linebacker help because we definitely didn't have enough disruptors on the inside so i need a linebacker that can really be a disruptor on the inside uh really rush rush that quarterback like we need to so those are my wish lists wish list uh wants 
I like it. I like it, Jan. You you got a lot more detail than me because I I said a receiver and then I said a receiver and then I said one more receiver. <laughs> Actually, I took out one of the last receivers. And I said interior offensive lineman. We 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 need that. We need a few more offensive lineman bodies. But really, like it, more now more than ever. Which I've, I've said this every draft, but like this year we've lost Devontae. We have two first rounders. We like if, if we don't take a receiver this year, and just like the receiving core that or like receiving wouldn't really core wouldn't be the right word. The the class of receivers that are that's in this draft class is uh, so good that it's kind of like you guys have to. So I all my wishes come to one. If the genie right. gave me three wishes. I'd just say a receiver. Yeah, I also think. You know, our team's in such different places because I think the Patriots are still banking. They're still giving it one more year for that tight end situation to work out. I think they still want to see can Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry really be the key focal points of this check down offense for Matt for Mac. And then they got Devonta Parker from the Dolphins extra receiver there. And then I think the rest of the guys will do and they can focus on the defensive end and the running game, which is what they're better at anyway. I think if it doesn't pan out, then they'll go for a receiver maybe next year. But they have, they have, they know that they're building with their quarterback, so they have more time. You guys, th- right? Th- there's so much more at stake this season. You know what I mean? Bill Belichick always wants to win, but it's it's been win now, win now, win now in Green Bay for a few years now, and uh, it. <laughs> Every every year has felt like maybe the last year, and, and I don't know. Like, what I don't know how I can if we don't go and even if we win the Super Bowl, I don't know how I can like any have have any hope that like Aaron Rodgers is going to be whatever. Like it's so yeah, the, the stakes are right right effing now in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Right, and I think they need to get one of those top. I mean, if I'm if I am the GM of the Green Bay Packers. Not only do I want to get those receivers for Aaron, I want to get those receivers for Jordan. If you're really banking on Jordan, you're going to need more than... Or than, anyone. Yeah, I mean, just anybody. Whoever the next quarterback is. You want some receivers there who are ready to help that quarterback and not just a bunch of rookies who, you know, are okay. And this this draft does have those guys. So if I'm the GM, I'd I love that to see him be, Yeah, I'd love to see him be aggressive and, and get one of those... Even, I mean, like, I know Jameson Williams probably isn't going to start the season, but he's going to play at some point. And uh, I like, I, I think his upside is so, so high where if like he, especially if he can fall and like, you're like, there's a, a chance to go get him. Like I, I, the chance is there to be aggressive. I think you have to take it, but we shall see. Jan, let's do the top 10 picks. We'll be quick with it. Who's your number one? Trayvon Walker, just because I think that's a Jacksonville thing to do, is to pick the guy who everyone's hype on. So I'm going to go Trayvon Walker. Yeah, they're apparently they're, I think their GM is quite quite in love with him as well. Uh, and we'll see. We, we wish him luck. He's he did win a national championship, so he's got to be he's got to be decent. Uh, Lions number two. I'll go first. I think Aiden Hutchinson, the, the Michigan boy, gets to stay in, in Michigan. They get a great solid prospect. He also feels like a real solid Dan Campbell sort of player. Yeah, he does fit into that Dan Campbell. I also have him going at number two. And from here, it gets a little interesting. So at number three, I have Ikem Ekwanu uh, for the Texans, uh, offensive tackle, because I think they're building so far in the future that they're just trying to make it so that whatever quarterback that is in there later on has some offensive linemen there. So I'm going three, uh, Ikem Ekwanu to the Texans. 
Yeah, the te- the Texans feel like a team where it's like whoever, whatever player they rate the highest is probably going to be who they take because they're not they're not close to any sort of thing. So I this one is like a crap. Like I could see Kyle Hamilton. I think uh, Iguanu is a great pick. I went with Ahmad Gardner with Sauce just to to be a little fun with it. The cornerback from Cincinnati. But yeah, the Texans here. Like I, the first two seem pretty clear, which is normally the case. But this third pick. More so than normal, seems like very because because normally you're rebuilding towards something. The Texans like feel like they're like we've got no heat, like we need everything. Right, exactly. They're like best player, come on over, we'll fit you in because we need everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jets are another one that I, that I think is a tough one. I w- I went with defensive end here. I went with Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end from Oregon. Uh, get them a little pass rush, but I, you know, a weapon for Wilson also seems very, very possible here. What, who do you have New York going with? I had Sauce Gardner going in New York. I think that they need a cornerback. Nice. I think they haven't been good since they had a strong corner like Darrell Revis or even like a Jamal Adams presence in that secondary. Um, and I think that they need that again. I think Sauce Gardner could really be a, a cornerback that you know revitalizes that Jets defense into something um, you know worth worth uh, being worried about. So I went Sauce Gardner there. Uh, I love the Thibodeau pick. The Thibodeau pick is going to be so interesting because he could go anywhere or he could go nowhere. Right. Like, truthfully, like, I have no idea. Um, so we'll see there. At, at my five at the Giants, I don't have Thibodeau going. I have Evan Neal. They need offensive linemen to protect Danny Dimes. If if that is the answer, then you better protect him because, you know, don't Amen. give him any excuses. Just just protect him and have him fail, and then you can get rid of him. So I have Evan Neal. Yeah, since for some reason you're sticking with him. I'm, you do you, New York Giants. I agree with you. They need some offensive tackle help. Since I haven't had uh, Ikema Conway go yet, I had him in the tackle from NC State going to New York because, yeah, they, that offensive line is uh, pretty, pretty bad. The sixth pick, I said I'm just going to be fun with it. Carolina. Malik Willis, the quarterback from Liberty. I'd fuck it. I love it. I also had Malik Willis at my six for the Panthers. I also yeah. have there. I think it's a great pick. I think it doesn't sound like they're interested in Baker Mayfield, and you can't tell me they're confident about Sam Darnold. You cannot you nothing nothing in your were in your nothing in your vocabulary can tell me that you're sure about that. And when you have this kind of talent and this high of a pick, you already have your running back, you already have your receivers, your defense is already decent. Take a flyer and be and and be proven right on it, you know? And and I think uh I think that's what you gotta do. So I have uh Malik Willis here. I had Kyle Hamilton in the next spot, also to the Giants. I think he's a true playmaker. Hell yeah, me too. Hey, true playmaker safety. I think they need those kinds of players. You know, Giants like the Jets, kind of a team that I think needs to be built strong on the defensive end to be a real competitor. And then I think Kyle Hamilton, I talked about him earlier this year, really a difference maker that can evolve into like a true star. So I have him going at the number seven of the Giants. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Hamilton a lot as being like maybe the best prospect in this class, just the position that he plays isn't as valued as others, which is why he he might, I mean, there's a chance he goes top five still, depending on, you know, who, who likes him the most, but yeah, I, I have him going to, to the Giants as well with that seventh pick. Eighth pick, I, I got Atlanta going. I also think for like the Panthers, I think there's something to be said. I, like, I think there's a, a, a chance, depending on, you know, maybe what they hear out of Atlanta, out of Seattle, that they trade down and then still get 
Malik Willis, but don't take him at that at that sixth spot. So I, I think that's something that it's worth. And maybe even not Malik Willis, maybe whatever quarterback they they like. But I think there's a chance that could happen. Uh, Falcons, I, I have them getting a receiver, and I had them going with Drake London, a big six five receiver out of USC. That's so funny. I also have Drake London going to the Falcons. I just think nice. that we're I'm killing surprised it. how many we had at the same, uh, like, because a lot of these I feel like are, are decent toss ups. Yeah, no, they are. But I think Drake London is a great pick because I, I think when Kyle Pitts came in, people were thinking uh, red zone threat. And instead, he's kind of turned into this slot threat. And I think then you need to complement that with the red zone threat. And I think Drake London's exactly that guy. And I think with Drake London and with Kyle Pitts, you know, you at least improve that receiver core. And whoever throwing is going to have it's a lot of size. So you know, even Marcus can can hit those guys. So I have uh, I have Drake London. Uh, that's a hate on my. I don't I don't hate Marcus Mariota. I just uh, you know he's got some stuff to prove still. Um, it's right. true. Uh, yeah, but I have Drake London. After that, let's see if we continue. I got another receiver going, uh, and it's at the number nine pick to the Texans. I got Garrett Wilson going to the Texans. I think he's a great player to plug into a franchise that needs a lot of help, um, a dying franchise, really. So I think he'll be good, and I think he'll improve. And then once a quarterback comes his way, they're going to be real happy he's there. Yeah, this is where I had them taking an offensive lineman, had them taking Evan Neal from uh, from Bama, a uh, guy who kind of early on was getting some number one overall talk uh, in this draft, but has lost some steam. Uh, still a guy who I expect to go top 10, top 15, uh, but but building building that offensive line and, and we said trying to trying to build that team into somewhat of a competitive team, but they, I think it'll be a few years. Final pick with the Jets. I had them getting a weapon here for Zach Wilson. I had them going, the guy you, you highlighted earlier, Mr. Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State, next Ohio State receiver, who I, I think is going to be making some big-time noise at the next level. Um, well, we'll see. That's that's a lot to put on the Jets player, but has the opportunity, has a chance, maybe. But Garrett Wilson, 10. Yeah, I had I, I would have Garrett Wilson here, but because I had him earlier, I think the Jets go with the next best guy. I think they're still in rebuild mode, so they don't really care that he'll be out the beginning of the season. So I have them going Jamison Williams. I think that he's a playmaker who can help Zach Wilson out. So I put, OMG, the Jets make a good move? That's what I wrote after after that pick. Also, I want to take this opportunity... This is then the this is the draft is always the anniversary of this podcast. And Matt, we've been doing this podcast for two years now. Uh, it is crazy. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, we are currently sitting at three point two k plays o- overall. That is uh, that is a ridiculous amount of times to listen to our voices. You guys are nuts. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, but we're very grateful. We're very, very none grateful. of those are me. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really, I, I, this. I can't, I can't do it. I always try and listen to like little parts to like, but I, I can't listen to Well, I mean, a lot of us is like, I know this is kind of a lot of information to re-listen. Maybe we should. I don't, is that a professional thing to do? Somebody tell us. Oh yeah. I'll put, I'll post it on Instagram. Are we professional? Are we, are we? Do, should you re-listen to your podcast? Oh man, uh, not the whole thing. You don't have to do the whole thing, right? It's not like a no. Film. I listen to it twice because I have to edit. It's not so like I'm not film. listening to it a third. Right. Time. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not doing that. You really get into the cut of it. 
Yeah, I, I listen to snippets of it. Make sure yeah. we don't sound too. Make sure I don't sound too idiotic. Yeah, that's fair. Which I, which I normally do. So that's nice. You check that you do sound idiotic. You're just well, like, I try, is not, it I try not to, but it's, <laughs> I don't want to sound idiotic, but the norm is that I do. So it's like, okay, yeah, no, that's still, I still know what, you know, par for the course is for me. Okay. There you go. The bar, the bar is set somewhere. You're making like a, uh, a visual. <laughs> we're not yeah. in a visual podcast yet, Matt. One day. We're going to. We're, we're going, going to. Be to. Soon. Absolutely. Soon. We will. Soon. I don't know what soon means. Yeah. What is time? What is time, yeah. man? <laughs> Over the next month and a half while I'm never here. When while I'm here, we're going to plays. Yeah. There you go. Jesus. Move on. Move on. We're going to be so broke. All right, y'all. It's time for quick five questions. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. The first one. The first one. I'm interested. I'm interested to see if, if you go with the home team here. I kind of want you to. Where do you think? Mr. Erling Holland will be playing next year. Can't be Dortmund, right? He's got to, He's moving on somewhere. Yeah, why? Why get second again at Dortmund? I don't. I don't know why you would do that. Um, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I love second place. I don't know. To be completely honest, I. It's well, very hard. It's a quick fire question, bro. Yeah, I, I want to say Real, but I know that they're going to fight hard for Mbappe, and I don't think they can get both of them. So I'm not going to say Real. Be a stretch. I'm going to go... Oh, wow. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but for some reason, it it's it feels right. I'm going to go with Barcelona. Yeah, I'm going to go with mm. Barcelona for Erling Holland. Reminds me of like an Eder Goodjansson in like the 2006 team, like a big Scandinavian dude who can really ball. Uh, and I think that, you know, maybe they make a surprise splash uh, and yeah. send Holland that way. Because I look at the other teams... You know, Chelsea has too many sanctions to go for, and maybe Man City, but how close are they to, like, having any money at all? Um, truthfully, they, apparently, they don't. Apparently, apparently, they're offering him 500K a week. Uh, see, yeah, maybe. I Perhaps. I don't know I'm if scared. Holland wants that. Um, I I think, yeah, I think that's a fun answer. I don't think he'll go to Bayern just because I think Bayern is too pragmatic to pay whatever they're, he's going to offer, so... I'm going to go with Barcelona. I wonder if there's a, a next team odds for him. I bet, I bet City's the favorite. I like I like that Barcelona pick. I also like Bar- Erling Haaland in a Barcelona kit. Is it look? It just sounds right to me, you know? I bet that is such a weird pick. Like, it sounds fun, but it's definitely not like, I bet there's no odds on it. Um, and if nah, you're, and if, there are so Manchester City one to five, so that is the favorite by quite a lot. Uh, Real is second, five to two, and then Barcelona's third at 12 to one. Bayern, I four, have no PSG fifth, 25 to they have, they have Manchester United 33 to one. Get it's Manchester United has no chance. Why would he come to Manchester? United? I mean, I would be effing ecstatic. But right. Don't do that. Honestly, don't do that to yourself. Really, like this club is not where your talent needs a club to be at right now. Wow. If you, if you don't like getting second, then don't go to Manchester United because uh, we don't even get that. Oh God. Yeah. yeah right. I. Jan. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. No, we're moving on. We're moving on. Go. Go it. Quick fire. Quick fire. <laughs> That's the quick fire. 
What is the percentage of the chance that Jay Wright becomes the next head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers? Are we talking next season or at all? At all. Okay. Okay. I he mentioned it, so within, I have to I say. I mean, within the next, within the next, you know, like I mean, like yeah. he does it eight years from now. Yeah, yeah. I'm not leaving the. I'm not. I'm not. I'm in the next five. In the next three years, let's say three years. I think yeah, I'm gonna say like, like seven. Like I'm gonna say like seventy five percent. You know, I think he's a great candidate. Nice. He, I like that. he he mentioned it. When you mention something like that, you you don't do it just cause. Like that's he's smarter than that. And I think that you know that LA job in in like I say a year is gonna be such a weird job that I think he's the perfect guy to take over and create a similar culture to the one he created in Villanova, obviously from a different perspective because the Lakers are used to success, but just one that is built on a good, solid team rather than, like, this whole, like, superstar fiasco that happened just now. Something like San Antonio has. I mean, even, like, San Antonio's not winning a ton of games now, but, like, they're still – they're not in the the bottom dweller because of – of the culture I think that they have there. And I, and I think that is few and far between with, with NBA teams. I'd, I'd love to see him do it. And look, like, I, I don't care who you are, what you've done. There are certain jobs that just are always going to be somewhat appealing. And the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers is always going to be somewhat appealing. Like I get, like, I think there's been a lot of NBA guys being like, Oh, it's a shitty job. And like, yeah, it is like job wise. It's really tough especially with LeBron there, you highly screwed blah, 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 blah. But they still the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Like they, it doesn't, there's few jobs that have more prestige with that sort of title. All right, Jan, last question for you. Chet, Paolo, Jabari, who would you take? Actually, what would you order? One, two, three of those guys. What would you take them? Chet Holmgren, Paolo Banchero, and Jabari, and Jabari, uh, what's his last name? Smith. Jabari Smith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jabari yeah. Smith. Great last name. Um, great last name. My old last name. Jabari name. Unique. I don't know a single person <laughs> with that. Artist last. formerly known as Matt Smith. There you go. Um, that's hard. That's, that's hard. I, I'm going to say... Paolo at the one, yeah, Jabari at the two, and Chet at the three. That's what I would. That's what I would do. I, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think that's what I would do. I just, I think Chet Holmgren provided me with more questions than the other two did. Like, did Jabari Smith have, have like the same run that Chet did? Maybe not. But like, I, I just feel like season-wise, Jabari Smith did a lot of good for himself and I don't know if Chet Holmgren like he had an up and down season at times so yeah I'm gonna go with those three and I love Paolo so that's why I have him at the one yeah I I, I still kind of like Jabari but Paolo's tournament even though Duke lost in the final four like it, it he's he's risen a lot in me and, and maybe being one and, and I agree like I I think Holmgren I think all of them will be strong players at the next level and, and certainly I think Holmgren will probably benefit the most with the the NBA spacing and and, and everything and pace um, and hopefully maybe the NBA, uh, weight room, but, uh, uh, yeah, I go, I go Jabari, Paolo, Chet, and, uh, 
And then I'm man, I, I'm hoping I Keegan. keep seeing Keegan, Keegan at like five, and I'm like, just go. I mean, I really would just be pumped if he goes top ten lottery. Yeah. But like, man, if he could go top five, I'm telling you what, the second that jersey's on sale, I don't care what team. There's no NBA team I really hate. So I'm trying to think if there's one. And even the teams I hate, it's probably I hate because they're like good, which none of them are gonna be good. And that would still be advantageous because if I find I'll just be a bandwagon for this good team then. <laughs> there you go. I can't be stopped, Yanni. I can't be stopped. I got it all figured out. <laughs> all right, Yan. You're man, this does work. It's so it's so much more logical. You're oh, then. Off. <laughs> you're out of the quick fire questions, and it's time to cool down. I don't know what we were thinking earlier. It's like part of the cool down was the hottest part of the episode. I don't well, didn't make any sense. This is why you listen. Podcast. This is why you listen to the podcast. We're honest with you about the technical difficulties, about the <laughs> the format. Listen, we tell you how it is. We tell this you is how a it podcast is. about making a podcast. Listen, that's how great art is made. You know, that, yeah. People would probably well, people, people listen. People listen to everything. They listen to this already. Jan, when you were growing up, what were your uh, your go to channels or shows as a kid? Yeah, I mean, Cartoon Network was my go-to channel as a kid. Yeah. And, and, like, I loved everything on Cartoon Network. I played the web games uh, when they came out. And they were just Dude, so- I forgot about the Cartoon Network. They had some good-ass they games. They had some great-ass games. Like, just some good, good ones. And, like, so much, like, games that, like, put all the characters together. That was so fun. Those uh, were fun. Those were always fun. And, like, Scooby-Doo was my favorite show, and so Cartoon would show Boomerang, which was, like, older shows, and so Scooby-Doo, like, the original Scooby-Doo was, like, my favorite one to watch. I watched it Saturday mornings um, with my family. And, like, in case you forgot, uh, for me, you know, you had, in terms of, like, Boomerang and Cartoon Network, Samurai Jack, Tom and Jerry, Johnny Bravo, Dexter's Laboratory, Courage the Cowardly Dog, uh, I like the Powerpuff Girls. I don't care. Uh, Teen Titans. Oh, Powerpuff Girls is great. Code Ed, 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 Next Door. Ed and Nettie. You had uh, oh, Billy and dude, Mandy. I wanted, dude. I wanted to be the the Codename Kids Next Door. The Candy. So. Oh yeah. Bad. Oh, yeah. I remember 100%. there. There was. Do you remember there was once a? It was like a sweepstakes thing that you get. I know what you're talking you, about. I know you what you're win, talking. Yeah. You would win like the Kids Next Door treehouse. Like they'd be like, "We'll come and we'll put this treehouse in your backyard." And I was like obviously internet and like just envisioned my life at that tree house. And I was like, that would, that's my peak. Life. Like, yeah, I need that. I did. Yeah. Uh, neither did I. Otherwise we might be in different places in our lives. If, if I, I have, if I ever, I've always said that, like, if my kids actually, even my kids don't want it, we're, I'm, they're getting a dope ass fucking tree house. <laughs> Seriously, man. <laughs> I'm, I'll just sit up here. Screw you guys. Yeah. They'll all be under like iPads or whatever VR things are out there, and I'll just be chilling up in this free house. Yeah, he's like, you guys honey, you have to go to work. I am at work and work from home. Be right down. Um, <laughs> recording my I, podcast. LOL. Uh, I hope you're not recording this podcast in your treehouse at this point. We better have a studio at that point. Come on, make it happen. Um, oh, maybe I'm, I'm just I'm working from home that day. I'm sick. There you but go. I wanted to work. <laughs> Classic. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is that back in the day when I was a kid, the way that we watched the Bundesliga was this channel package that we bought 
on Dish Network, which was called Sky Sports, but like the German version. Um, Sick. And the way that they showed the Saturday like league play was my favorite thing. It has never happened. I haven't seen it since. But so there's some channels that play like switch from game to game. And like when they're all playing at the same time. But this one, what would happen is there would be like eight games playing at the same time and you would be watching one game. And instead of just switching, they would there would be an announcer that taps into your stream and goes goal in Munich. And you wouldn't know if it was Bayern who scored or the other team that scored. And then you would have to wait until it switches over to find out. And it was ball. (laughs) And there would be like penalty penalty in Dortmund. And you'd be like, oh, my God, is it for them? Like what happened? I don't know. It was so fun. It was like my f- most fun. That's some genius too, to build up tension. Yeah. Like they're like, nah, we're going to keep the, keeping this information down to a, a low amount. Yeah. hundred percent. And then you got to watch all the games too, which is the only time I ever watched any of those other games. You know, now I don't watch any of those other games. Um, but like you got to watch all of them and you kind of knew more about everything, but yeah. What about you? What did you like watching? Now there's now there's almost like because sometimes I'm like oh I should watch more Syria or more like because like now you can almost watch everything and sometimes I'm like almost too much soccer yeah <laughs> I can't I can't watch every like it'd be fun to like be tuned into every league but that's kind of a lot of work um, I was I was also a big Cartoon Network guy um, I if, if there was any perspective um, suitors on here please turn it off now um, not so embarrassed about my fanhood of Pokemon, but was a big Yu-Gi-Oh guy. I was a big, big, Yu-Gi-Oh big Yu-Gi-Oh guy. I had I cards had, for days. Guess, oh, dude. I had the I had cards. The... Oh, yeah. The discs, <laughs> and I had cards for days. And, like, I remember, like, I was probably, the kids were, like, that much younger than me. But, like, of the neighborhood kids, I was, like, the oldest one. And, and then I just fucking dominated them in the game because I, like, knew the rules and every Like, I pulled out a track card that they were, like, I don't know how to, they probably can barely read. I don't, I'm mean, not that dumb or young, but still use my age to like, totally just be like, I'm the king of, of fucking Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, but yeah, all the cartoon, Johnny Bravo and, and Dexter's. I remember sometimes Dexter, I, I, I she would infuriate me. I'd be like, man, I want this kid to have a break. And he never would. I always felt bad that Dexter was just constantly shit on. It's like Johnny Bravo would get constantly shit on, but like he deserved. Yeah. Johnny Bravo was <laughs> not very PC. Um, nope. Dexter was like, just like, some of it was just kind of accidental. I wasn't a big Nickelodeon guy. Like, I know, like, I wasn't a big SpongeBob person, but I did like Nick at Night. They'd have some of those, the old school, you know, back in yeah. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I watch I watch select shows in Nickelodeon. That's why I wouldn't chug the channel. Um, I like watched Drake and Josh when it was like there, and I watched like uh, SpongeBob, and I watched. Um, uh, I was I was a big Disney. I love I love myself some Lizzie McGuire. What else was What else was a good Disney show? Lizzie McGuire fucking rules. The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Did you watch that at all? That, that was out. that came on like a little after. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was okay. like right after. I was like, I'm done with these shows. Yeah. Oh, I also love Dragon Ball Z. Not a show oh. of that one. That yeah, show fucking ruled. That show freaking ruled. I remember that's how I made one of my first friends in school, like that I just made. Because you know, a lot of friends are just like parents know each other. You played sport blah, blah, with many reasons, but it was a kindergarten, no, first grade, and a kid in my class. He had a, like a Dragon Ball Z 
lunchbox and I was like, dude, do you like Dragon Ball Z? And no, I didn't know anyone else really that did. And he did. So like we became full. I was like, dude, you're coming over this week. I'm pretty sure I hadn't, I had my mom call his mom. We set it up. We definitely watched Dragon Ball Z and played with my mini Dragon Ball Z action figures. Uh, simpler times. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I wish I was still tonight, playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Dude, if tonight, I, yeah, I could just like throw on some Dragon Ball Z and play action figures. Life would be so nice. Wow, this episode's taking a real turn at the end here. You went for Growing nostalgia. Up's tough. <laughs> tough, guys. Oh, God. All right. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Jan, do you have anything to say to the wonderful people? Yeah, you know, go out there and, and, and enjoy your life. You know, maybe childhood is over, but you can still... <laughs> Hell yeah! It's a great... We're really yeah. not that sad. I mean, I was thinking no. more. You know, I was, look, I was looking back um, positively. That's not the word I'm looking for, but... Yeah, no, no. I like, I that, get I like that seg- I like that segue, though. Yeah, you know, childhood's over, but your life isn't, and, like, you can still find the fun in it, and, like, yeah, you know, go out there and grind and get, get what you want to get, but don't forget to, like, you know, do the things that make life worth living past work, too. I think it's important to have a balance of those two. You do the one, and soon you'll find that, like, what was the point of doing it if you were just going to keep doing it until you're in the ground? So, we always, I always love the episode where we talked about Diego Maradona when he passed away, because we said, like, did he make all the right decisions in his life? Probably not. But did he get the most out of that man's life? He absolutely did. And who are we to say that that isn't the perfect way to go? So I think that uh, I think that's a great sentiment to remind yourself as the warm summer hopefully approaches and stays, especially in New York, I'm hoping. Um, yeah, but yeah, typical New York weather teasing us. Well said. Well said, Jan. And uh, off of that, I do, I want to give... Uh, some love to my brother, uh, Mr. Nicholas Staub, him and his family, who, you know, at this point, I, I really consider all of them family, uh, endured a tough loss this last week. And so just want to on here on the podcast, we want to send our, our love and our support to Nick and, and all the Staubs, uh, everyone related to them. Um, so sending our best and sending out our hearts to you guys, uh, and as well as obviously still sending our love to Ukraine and, and, you know, still be safe, be smart and, uh, take care of yourselves. Cheers, y'all.